Chris. And I'm Jake. And we are back at July Cars and Coffee today. Yes. Um, as we've mentioned before, it's the largest monthly car show in the nation. And I was thinking about it on the way here, Chris. I, I think it has to be in the world, too. It, <laughs> didn't I say that once and you looked at me like I was crazy? No, you were talking about something about the biggest thing in the northern hemisphere or some weird no, what I were said you talking it's, it's about? the biggest monthly car event in the United States. And then I'm like, well, at that point, it might, it might as well be the biggest car event in the world. The yeah. monthly car event in the world. So, And then you went, no. No, and I was teasing you it. a week or two about something about, uh, you said some car show where it was something the biggest in the hemisphere. I was like, that's a really weird way to say no, that. No, I said it was the oldest. Uh, I said Pikes Peak was the oh. second oldest car event in the hemisphere. Right. Which is we're basically talking about, you know, North and South, North America and South America and everything else. Right. Like that. Gotcha. It's, a hemisphere is like a certain, when you say hemisphere, it's a certain part of the earth. Yeah, it's I'm way familiar with what a okay, hemisphere I, is. I'm just trying to, I'm just saying. It's just a really up. weird Would way be to say it. better if that. it was like, it is the second biggest, oldest car event in half of the world? Would that be good? Because I, I I'm done arguing. Okay, this. All this right, is stupid. Let's, let's move on. Um, yeah, some cool cars out here. I think this is going to be probably the biggest uh, Cars and Coffee event of the year. July yeah, usually uh, has. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice out. It's a it's a beautiful day. Um, before I before we get too far into this, I just want to remind everybody uh, for next week, give us a call, leave us a voicemail six one two five eight four zero two three five. We'd love to hear from you guys. Haven't put that number out in a while. Uh, give us a call. Leave us a leave us a message. Let you know. Let us know what you think of some of the past episodes. If you need any advice, have at that. That'd be uh, that'd be great. We'd be happy to help you out on anything. Absolutely. And um, I would like to kind of get more like car questions here, yeah, so we yeah, can try yeah. to return to like. Remember the old click and clack guys? I do. But the problem is, is that now everybody can be like, "Oh, you can I, I can it. just Google what the problem is." Right. But then they don't get like witty, commentary. sharp commentary about right. what the fuck's wrong with their car, like we would give. Fun so. fact: Did you know that I am actually an ASC certified mechanic? That. I, should I say that surprises me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess there is no good answer to that, is it? But the point is, I have some credentials to back up the fact that we could answer questions. I, I, I have opinion credentials, and I've there broken a lot of shit. So there's, <laughs> if anybody wants to know how to break anything, I can definitely advise right. on that. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, as well as uh, giving us a voicemail and uh, answering our questions. You know, speaking of breaking stuff... Okay. And knowing how to fix stuff, if you don't know how to fix stuff and you don't want to Google it and you don't want to give us a call, you could bring it to our great sponsor, Further Performance. And these guys, uh, they have been around for quite some time and they are um, really, they, they know what they're doing when it comes to Volkswagens, European cars, they really, they really across the gamut. They're, they're pretty good dudes over there. Yeah, and I like um, that they really know their air-cooled stuff, too. There are a lot of shops that don't necessarily know how to do that, and you'll always find something interesting. That's not to say that you can't bring in your new BMW or anything to that effect, but they really are um, kind of top-notch guys. And I, I was thinking, you, you know... If you have been over there, check out their new shop, too. You should. It's right, really nice. it is the new shop. Yeah. You know, I was thinking, like, if you're one of these guys who has the... Uh, opinion of mechanics as being super smarmy and like trying to take advantage of you. Right. Those guys really will change your perception of yeah. that. Yeah, we wouldn't have any of the any of these guys on as sponsors any of the shops if they were that way. So Right. Yeah. So you can find those guys at fptuned.com. That's F P T U N E D dot com. So uh I feel kind of restless right now. 
Why is that? Because I feel like kind of my my projects are on my car coming to a close. That's why I just got a 911, so you can come over and do all the same projects on my yeah, car. Yeah, but you live in, like, East Germany, so it's, <laughs> it's hard, to, hard to, to... You have to go over the wall? Yeah, you have to go over the wall. But I... I uh, basically, so I got my new wheels. I don't know if you saw that. So I'm, I'm trying did. to, like, continue to do things, um, which are... They're like my old wheels that I used to have, the ATSs. Right. Exactly like that, but the centers are painted. Um, so I took them in. I, like, opened, them, opened the box... And they were not quite as nice as I had hoped. Okay. So there's some curbing, and one of the lips is bent, which I knew. Okay. So I packed them up right away. I took them over to a, to a wheel repair place, and I said, hey, what can you do with these? And the guy kind of was like, ah. Oh, really? Yeah. Cause the, so the, if you look closely on these wheels, they're machined. Okay. So they're... The, they're the, not cast. Uh or they are cast, cast but they but also the, have a machine. Yeah, the lip is machined, sure. the face is machined, and you can see the machining lines. And he's like, if I fix this bend, I'm like, oh, the run out, right? He's like, yeah. I'm like, how are you supposed to? He has to get the lip so perfect that it can be machined. Oh. Right, because it can't have a wobble or it can't have well, why do you, can't you don't need to remachine it. Yeah, I do. They why? need to be because I want them to look right. <laughs> That's how they came. Mm. See, what else am I supposed to do? Paint them? No, just, like, polish them by hand or something. Well, we'll see. So three of them are good. One of them is like that. I said, look, man, just get it. Just do what you can and get it as close as you can, and we'll go from there. You know what you should do? I just thought of this. Okay. Do the Ferris Bueller polishing setup that I did on the MG. Did you ever read my build thread back in the day? Do no, you know what I'm talking I, about? I know exactly what you're saying, and that... You jack up the rear end, you, you let the car like idle in, like, fourth gear, yep, and you just, like, a little fine sandpaper or Scotch-Brite and polish it that way. That's I think, what you should I do. I think that the wheel company probably has a, a better method for doing this type of thing. Eh, not as entertaining. So I told him to go for it. I said, hey, just do what you can, try and fix it. You know, if you don't get it perfect, that's okay. He's like, well, if I weld to fill this curb mark where it got bent, you know, you might see it a little bit. I'm like, dude, just... Just fix it. Just do what you can. Says the guy who needs to have it machined as factory. Well, I'm going to try. Why yeah. not try? Why not try to make it how it was supposed to be? All right. I mean, it's either that. Yeah. How am I supposed to polish it? It's a machined lip. How do I polish that? I'm going to have to sand the fuck out of it yeah. to get the machining marks off. Sure. Why? Why do that? And then have a have a wheel that needs to be constantly maintained and polished all the time. Yeah. No, I, I have no answer. Yeah. So that would suck. I'm just giving you crap. Um, so uh, anyway, that's that's what's going on. I've Oh, yeah. I've got a new stereo in the car. How does uh, that sound? It's, when you're when the car is off and you're not moving, it sounds great. Uh-oh. You can't hear it otherwise. I, I can hear it, but it's just like my car is so loud in yeah. the car that I don't know that there's really that much of a... Mine's pretty loud now, too. And I was thinking about that on the way over because I had the window. Usually, I always have the windows down when I drive. Right. And I was like, okay, this is pretty pretty grating and loud because it's a 40 minute drive for me over here yeah and so i rolled the windows up and i was like yep i'm not gonna be able to hear a stereo (laughs) yeah try 50 hours of that i know i did think of that too across the country that yeah it's it's loud you know sometimes it's earplugs sometimes it's um earbuds but i did even have my earbuds so just tooling around it's fine like i can hear the radio and i can hear it and a lot of times i just listen to talk radio anyway so i just turn it up a little bit and i can hear the voice even with this setup it's it's good so Anyway, I'm kind of sad that I don't have much for projects anymore. I, I don't really know what to do. I mean, there are projects on the car to do, but nothing nothing big, which is do kind you of have, sad. Do you have other projects besides car projects? No, I don't. I have no I mean, I have. Product, I could, projects, so. but I don't like doing house stuff. Anything with <laughs> nails can fuck off. Nails and screws is just not my thing. Okay. Yeah. 
You come over and work on my house. I'll come over and work on your car. I don't want to do that, but okay. So what's going on with your car? What's new? Um, I drove it here. It's orange. It's, um, it's It looks... I'm sure it's. there's Jeeps right across the way. Is that like a... I don't get it. Well, you fit right in with the ride height that you have. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I haven't lowered it yet. Um, there are new wheels on the way, though, so that's exciting because these hideous mini light replicas... Are you going to tell people what they are or are you just going to wait? I don't know. Should I be all like... I don't give a shit. You do what you want. That's what you do. I just told everybody what my wheels are. Yeah, you're right. No, yeah, they're the uh, 1552 Outlaws. The, the, the original o- Outlaw, yeah, the, the 01. 01. And I'm doing them black center with the machined lip. And that'll be good. There's I should no have gold. just told everyone I got gold RSs. You should have. That would have made everybody freak out from <laughs> what I could tell. Yeah, there's no gold on the wheels. We've, we've overcome that hurdle. <laughs> yeah. That is not happening. So... Praise baby Jesus. Yep. There's no gold on the wheels. Right. Um, also got rid of the hideous exhaust. I took uh, one of the old like stock banana type mufflers that you actually got me. Yep. And I modified it to the... I love how it was basically the original recommended sport modification. So you open up you know, a, a panel in there and you drill out a couple baffles. You just take a whole song. Of rrr, rrr, and then, yep. yep. Which I, something about that old German steel is so freaking hard. Yeah. And I suppose it's been, like, heat-treated, basically, in the exhaust. Yeah, I suppose. I There was, like, one hole saw that I completely, like, melted <laughs> trying to get through just, just, I mean, it's just sheet metal. Yeah. So, anyways. Well, a few layers there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, sounds really good. Um, it sounds kick-ass. It does. Does it sound better than the RS4? In certain ways, yes. Come on, dude. In certain ways. What do you mean in certain ways? <laughs> in what ways does the RS4 sound better? When it's quiet and you can listen to the radio? Is that No, just like I think the idle on the RS4 is still better, like that V8, really low rumble. But this, when it screams from like So when you're three actually driving seven. the car? At any other point other than sitting in your garage when you first started up, it sounds better? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll, well see. That, that. That's fine. We, I, can, I can accept <laughs> that. So, yeah, that's what's going on. Um... We are going to try wait, to... Wait, wait, wait. How's the shifter? You, what? You did rebuilt the shifter and the shifter bushings. And I did. Put the, put yeah. the, uh, the horseshit, whatever brand shifter in it, and yep. then did all the bushing. How is it? It's great, except I don't have a first gear synchro. Yes. So you just basically it's supposed have to, to have one. come to a complete stop to use first gear. Or I, I can rev match it really good now, and it just yeah. drops right in. But yep. otherwise, it's like... And that's always embarrassing because whenever you're coming to use for a skier, you're slowing down. I've and actually never heard grinding people. gear sound quite like that. So that's I, exactly what it sounds yeah, like. Okay, okay, yeah. So I don't know. Just slowly working on projects, trying to make it right. Got new hood struts. That's exciting stuff. Do they work? They do. They won't for very long. No. Do you know what the deal is? You have to mount them inverted because there's oil in the seals, and when you mount them shock side down or dampener down with strut up, then all the oil. Or the gas leaks out the top because the oil is seeping down. If you mount them inverted, they last longer. Yeah, well, mine didn't. Pro they won't work literally in like two weeks. Pro so either way, upside down, which way, that way, it's only like a week that they work. Pro and tip. only when it's warm out. Once it gets starts <laughs> to get cold, they're not going to work anymore. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So they don't work out of the box. Very cool. Is that, well, that uh, Volvo cool. Amazon? Not Amazon. The Volvo uh, P1800? What is that thing? Maybe we'll have to talk to that guy. I really like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, there are some cool cars here. We saw a Chevelle SS drive by that you probably heard. Yeah, there's never enough of those. What? <laughs> you you're like, ah, oh, that's really cool cars. Like, oh, Chevelle SS. That's just like okay. Just because it's not an old 911, you have to appreciate different cars. I do, here. but it, there's I've seen more unique things. That's all. Okay, I bet that's the only Chevelle SS at the show. I doubt it. Okay, we'll make a bet on that. 
Okay, we will. Okay. Also, it was a couple Lamborghinis and stuff, too. So, what else do we have going on here, Chris? So, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, a motor swap. So, I saw this uh, engine come up on... So, I didn't click into this because I didn't know. Okay, oh, so, my goodness. So, this is a uh, 1992 Ferrari F40 twin-turbocharged V8 engine. Yes. For sale on Bring a Trailer. And it's it sold for... I didn't even look at the price. $88,000. That's great. I didn't realize it was the auction was going to end before the podcast, but um, it's wow. a twin turbocharged three liter. Um, but it's yep. got, and it's, I think it's dis- a lot of it is disassembled, but it's got some extra parts. Um, well, I look, I mean, the long box all together, it looks like. Yeah, it's, it's 470 horsepower, almost an 8,000 RPM red line. It's a 40 engine, right? Right. So I'm curious as to what. You know, this guy probably bought it as a spare for his F40. Right. You know, if you've got $90,000 to buy an F40 engine, you probably also have an F40. Yeah, I would agree. my guess. That makes sense. Um, so I'm trying to or figure out. Or it's just like his, his centerpiece. Oh, is. man. Wouldn't that be sweet? Yeah. Man. Your living room centerpiece is just an F40 engine. Just a smelly F40 engine. <laughs> it's you probably clean it up. Um, so, ooh, this is a nice. See, this is better than the Cheval, right? Yeah, it is. This is a 356. Old 356 hardtop. B? A? B? I, don't know I honestly don't know. B's. My A's and my B's with, with those. I just don't know enough about them. I've never even driven a 356. It's like a Beetle. I'm sure it is. I haven't driven either, but I'm just going to say it's like a Beetle. Yeah, it's, <laughs> but it looks a lot better. Yeah, it does. It looks a lot better. So I'm trying to figure out what you would put this engine in. If How about were, in a 356? <laughs> let's find something that actually would fit. Like, what would you... I was thinking what I would do it in is like a... Uh, I would do, put maybe put it in a G-Wagon. Why? Why not? That's the weirdest choice. Well, okay, what would you put it in? I don't know. Something like sporty, something predictable, something where you know, I would put, put it in. I'd put it in a front wheel dr- or not front wheel drive, a, like a front engine chassis though, a front FR as you call it, front like what? drive rear. What, what car? I don't know. Maybe like an old Mustang would be super weird and cool. But there's so many engine swaps that have been done. In Mustangs. Right. This one has, and I can guarantee That's, it. This engine swap hasn't been done in anything. Exactly. Um, but then I started thinking about, like, engine swaps in general. Okay. Like, and then I started thinking about LS swaps. Okay. And uh, how tired I am of LS swaps and how easy they are and how it just bugs me that it's Have you ever so done easy. one? No, but I can look and see, oh, you can buy the engine, you can buy all the all the mounts, and here's a wiring harness to just plug it right into your fuse box that you right. already have. I see what you mean. So, so it, it's just, you don't like that basically there are kits manufactured to put an LS into everything. I guess. Yeah, I just, I just I, it was cooler when it was hard. You know, like you had to like, you had to like <laughs> you learn could respect something and the work something and, and, and have the work that went into it be something special. Oh, I don't know. I'm not upset about it. But a Mustang, that's your choice? Yeah, I think so. That's boring. It's not boring at it all. It's better boring. than the G wagon. G wagon is way better. When you pull up somewhere and you open your hood with a G wagon, you've got it. Obviously, if you pull up anywhere with an engine with an F forty engine in your car, You're gonna it's gonna be cool. It. But in the context of that, mm-hmm. if you pull up in a G wagon with it in there, and the G wagon sounds like an F forty, that would be like ooh, fucking. It, and wow. I will say, anything that sounds like an F forty will be sweet. But in the context of it, I think it's cooler than a Mustang. The Mustang is kind of like, oh well, it's a muscle car. You put another. V8 in a muscle car. The G-Wagon has a V8 anyways. It got a bunch of different engines. <laughs> Including an F40 engine now. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I don't know about that. Anyway, so um, we're going to go and see if we can find a uh, someone to talk to, find some interesting cars, see if we can find somebody to interview. No promises. And uh, we'll be right back. 
All right, we're back here with Dan. Dan, we have a lot of mutual friends, it sounds like, but I found you over there with a 1946, is it? Dodge Power Wagon. Yep. 47, okay. Yep. 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 And I, it was beautifully restored, and you had a Cummins 4BT swap into it. So Indeed. I was like, I got to talk to this guy. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, what do you want to know? It's, uh, well, it's so first of all, tell me about, uh, I, I know this isn't kind of your, your only foray into cars or your only interesting car, so... Maybe tell me a little bit about how you got into cars, some of your most uh, exciting or interesting cars you've owned over the years, and all right, well, we'll look, start there. All right, all right. Um, uh, the quick synopsis. Uh, my father, way back in the day, used to do hill climbs uh, out on the eastern seaboard. Oh, really? So he, was, he, he drove British cars with modified you know, Triumph motors, old Morgans, and did hill climbs. So when I was about seven or eight years old... Dad was giving me like a book on like Tazio Novellari's racing, you know, how to take the proper line. Wow. Buy me a go kart. We lived in Minneapolis, so now I'm driving a go kart around in Minneapolis. The police <laughs> would occasionally chase me, you know, that kind of thing. So I got to be a fairly decent, <laughs> decent driver when I wasn't getting picked up by the Minneapolis PD for stuff like that. I like how you're telling the story in front of your daughter. So does your daughter also have a, a go kart now and runs from the police? Actually, she's. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think that's coming. I think we are teaching her these bad habits. She's got a little uh, Yamaha PW50 because we're also into bikes. I, I guess at the end of the day, anything with gasoline and and spark at, is exciting, right? And that's Absolutely. why we do what that's we do. That's what we're do. all about. Yeah, and I mean, like I'm you know sitting right here behind your your beautiful new acquisition. Yes, and, thank I mean, you. Yeah, man, it's it's gorgeous. So I basically I. Uh, I did a lot of extreme sports when I was younger, and I broke, started breaking bones, and then I decided to move back to the Midwest, and I had a hard time adapting, and a few friends of mine, when I was living out in Colorado, uh, dragged me back to do some motorcycle racing. I'd never ridden motorcycles. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I, I stayed away from them, because I don't have that go slow down until you learn, yeah. you know, gene, which I've now developed, I guess, with age, because <laughs> crashing You've hurts, learned. Yeah. you know, but uh, so I started racing motorcycles, I had a great time with that, and uh, raced, uh, uh, you know, 600cc class, 750cc class, and did uh, um, uh, supermoto as well, yep. and had a great time with that, and then got back into cars in, later in life, so the truck that I'm driving now, I've kind of come full circle in my projects at the moment, okay. uh, I've got a few sports car projects uh, with irons in the fire, but the 1947 Power Wagon is what you saw, and it's a uh, it's a 1947 Dodge Power Wagon, right. original frame. It's been stretched. It's accommodated with uh, four doors instead of a two door model, and then so they never made a, t- a four door from the. They factory. never actually did. Okay, there was a weird three door sort of hybrid that was marketed in Canada as a uh, Fargo. A Fargo edition, Fargo Dodge. <laughs> okay, yeah. and, and, and but uh, no, these these four doors, and there's only a couple guys in the country that are doing them. I found myself in the same situation a lot of people, I'm sure, listening to your podcast are, which is as we start to get uh, older and have a little bit more money to be able to put into cars, we also start ending up with things like commitments like family, right, and right. kids, and and so you either have to, if you're a builder, you either have to spend your time building or spend your time with your family, right. and so I had parts all over Minneapolis, squirreled away in people's garages. I had motorcycles <laughs> squirreled away. But one of my projects was this 47 Dodge. Yep. And as we all know, people get tired of just giving them beer for room in their garages to store our passions. <laughs> yep. So I went out and interviewed a couple of guys around the country who um, uh, legacy classic trucks, precision power wagons, to really find out 
who the builder was that I wanted because if you're going to restore, it doesn't matter if it's old Porsches, you know, if it's big trucks like what I'm driving today, you have to find the right builder yeah. and they have to, the vision has to match what you have in your head. Sure. Yeah. If you're going to do it and you're going to pay for it, do it right. You got it. And you want it built by somebody who has that same vision, right? Somebody can build it right and you're like, yeah, but that isn't what I, that's not me. That, exactly. that vehicle isn't me. So I found a guy out near Pennsylvania and, uh, Ended up shipping him all the stuff. Wow. <laughs> and so bringing things out to him. And then he literally, we went through and we built that that truck, which is, uh, it's an original frame. Mm-hmm. Basically the original body, but we stretched it with the extra doors. Sure. We have a Cummins 4BT, which we're only turning about 150 horsepower, but about right around 400 foot-pounds of torque. That's what's so crazy about those little Cummins four-cylinders. They're, They're just stump pullers. The they really are. torque. Yeah, and you know that truck's six thousand pounds, and I cruise down here at eighty miles an hour, and it, wow. it it does it. But it also, you know, I have a modern transmission in it. Okay, I have a modern transfer case, and nope. then I have what they call a Magnum doubler, which is an additional transfer case on the back of the transfer case. And so I so have. So what does that do for you? Well, so I have like your, I have your, your two high, right? Then we yep. got four high, yep. like in most trucks, and four low. But then I have four lower and four <laughs> lowest. So it multiplies the, it, the transfer case, basically. Exactly. And then you can actually disconnect the four-wheel drive within it and run oh, wow. front axle only or rear axle only. So for such a massive truck, 6,000 pounds, and it, it's not aerodynamic by any means, but having this super, super low gear and the 4BT, have you clocked your mileage you get on it? <laughs> yeah, it's getting about 20 to 22. Is it really? Seriously. My yeah. pickup doesn't even get that. It's insane. Well, now if I'm doing 80 miles an hour, it's getting like 15. Yeah, but still. But that's not bad for something not that's at about all. as... It's as aerodynamic as a Rubik's Cube. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, it terrible. Is, yeah. So, yeah, but it's, it's just it's a fun passion project. It's something where I can drive it around a little bit as like my Sunday driver while I work on some of the sports car projects that we have and everything else in the, in the box and these other things that you know we're doing. So. so I know I'm certainly interested, and I'm sure our listeners are as well. What are these other sports car projects that you... Are working so on. we have the chump car. I've kind of gotten away from the chump car, and I've got uh, some teammates who are just doing the chump car thing. Sure. Uh, the latest project that I have that'd be the easiest to talk about is a. Uh, it's a 1986 BMW 535i. Okay. But I've done it completely differently. Uh, we took off those big diving board bumpers. Right. We took everything apart on it, and basically what we've done is we've made it look like kind of a combination of. Uh, I hate to say it, but like an old Datsun, the old Datsun 510. Okay. It's yep. real, the combination between that and, and a BMW. Three square chassis style. And yep. But the old, it, but rounding off the front end. So we have like a BMW 2002 front end and rear end look. Oh, really? Yeah. And we're having a lot of fun. We've got a couple of, um, a couple of good shops around town who've been really helping us as far as uh, the suspension, the coilovers. It's corner balanced. Wow! So this is going to be a, a very, you know, very nicely done bodied track car. Sure. And it's gonna it's gonna scoot. So we'll be, I'll probably come out with the Porsche Club at some point. And we'll see if I can keep up with, with with you guys. It'll be fun. Well, yeah, I think it's gonna be if I can keep up with you in the old 1970. But that yeah. sounds really fun. And I'm just curious. So that what uh, what chassis is the Trump car then? The chump car is actually it's a that's a ninety one Ford. Oh, what is it? It's a it's a oh I can't even remember now. The Ford, it's a Ford Escort GT. Sorry. Okay, sure. And it's uh, and and chump car for those that may not know, it's a racing series. Is it still? Is it the year? Is that so? Is it two thousand eighteen dollars? Is that the correct series I'm thinking of? 
They do they do that on on the fees, but Chump Car for for everybody out there, I highly recommend you you try it. Here's the thing about Chump Car racing, you take the biggest piece of crap car you can. <laughs> Um, because they're all rated on points, right? So you and I can't roll out in your... And you don't want something nice because everybody's fighting for the same line. And because all these cars are... The joke is it's a $500 car. Right. But then, of course, we have $5,000 into safety equipment inside a $500 car. Sure. And But everybody's fighting for the same patch of, of asphalt in the corners. These right. cars get banged up. You have everybody from... Guys who you know have a racing history, yep. um, old racers and their buddies to newbies who are straight out on the track who have no idea what they're doing. So things get all smashed up real quick. It's but it like, is one of the most fun racing you can do. Sounds like road racing meets demolition derby a little bit. It kind of is. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> and that sounds sweet. Yeah, yeah. I think you should come out sometime with us and just. I would love to do that. Yeah. Awesome. Should. Well, thank you, Dan. It's been super interesting, and uh, our friends tell us that you have a lot more stories to tell. So we might have to get you back on the show. We'll see. We could probably come up with something. I'm sure I'd, we can. Yeah, I'd be thrilled about that. Thanks. Yep, take care. Hey, we are back with John, and uh, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me. So I, uh, I've been sitting here. Your, your truck, which is a GMC Typhoon, is yep. sitting right across from the podcast booth, and I've been sitting here watching it, and I waited for you to come back because <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, I don't want to miss this guy because we've actually brought these up on the podcast a few times. We have. Because we've talked about SUVs, and we've talked about, like, you know, now they have, like, Porsche Cayenne, right, and they right. have, like, the the... The, the BMW X5M X6M and, and like everything X6M else. And all this, all these $100,000 trucks. Yeah, the yeah. Jeep Cherokee, you know, with yep. the um, the hot motors in them and yep. stuff like that. SRT. Yep, the SRT stuff. But this was kind of like the original. Yeah, it was the OG for sure. Um, so when I, this, this kind of started, my dad has been into drag racing for years and years. I mean, like probably 60s, 70s. And so as kids... Uh, we used to go to St. Paul and go to Porky's before it got shut down. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, everybody had Mustangs, Camaros, um, Firebirds, you know, and all this stuff. And so me and my brother were kind of bored, and we saw these trucks pull through. And What one were of you them, driving at the time? What well, was... we were kids, you know, so this is kind of how it all started. But um, we noticed these pickup trucks. You know, they made, a, they made a pickup truck version, which was a Cyclone. Right. And that came out first. So that was 91. They made about 3,000 of those in the world um and then 92 and 93 they made the typhoon you know the suv version and so i always thought it was pretty cool to be able to like haul your buddies around or whatever and you got a fast truck you know to right. go with it but and you would just i mean nobody knew what they were nobody really knew, just yeah. surprised the hell out of people yeah i mean so they really shine from like a from the stop because they're all-wheel drive yep you know it's basically you know it's a 4.3 turbo v6 it's basically a small block chevy with two less cylinders Right, but it's turbocharged and intercooled, and all-wheel drive. So one thing I always hear people say about that engine is like, "Oh, that's got the Grand National right, engine." Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna just say say that so, so much. So yeah, the Grand National. <laughs> um, it's another turbo six, but those I believe, to the best of my knowledge, are like a three eight. Right, you know, and these are a four three. But but yeah, I mean, it's all kind of the same community. The turbo six guys all kind of hang around and stick together type thing. So so. Uh, how did you come across this truck specifically? So actually, my brother was the one who originally bought it, and uh, he's a couple years older than me. After he graduated college, they found one without a transmission out in St. Cloud, hmm. and um, the trucks they're they're a little high maintenance um, because they only made you know forty eight hundred of them. Right. Yeah. And so they have their own gremlins that you got to be willing to mess with, and a lot of people they just throw their hands in the air and they give up and. And uh, I told my brother, I said, if you ever sell it, I wanna, I wanna, you know, be able to buy it. 
and uh, that's exactly kind of what happened. So I've had it for about 14 years, and uh, you know, like anything else, you, there's there's bugs you got to work out. But when it runs good, it's it's fun. It's fun. So to they own make like stock. They're like 280 horsepower, right? Yep, stock. They're 280 horse, and um, you know, there's some guys who claim they got you know higher power, and you know, each each truck is its own kind of demon type thing but right. 280 was what they were rated yeah um what is, is your stock no no okay um yeah <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on with yours so we did the motor um back in probably 2009 and all we really did was forge the motor you know so forge parts obviously stronger so we can turn the boost up but um we did what can forge they handle pistons. for boost stock can you um, how much can you turn it up before that you probably there's guys who run you know 25 pounds you know but they've got small to medium turbos the guys right. who put the big turbos on them don't need to run that much okay but as long as you have forged internals they should be able to handle whatever you throw at them and so we've got we converted it to four bolt main caps instead of two bolt uh forged h beam rods forged pistons this last year we did a three inch exhaust automotion and edina did my exhaust for me uh, so the turbo can breathe a little better so it's a three-inch downpipe all the way back. And Did you then, maintain? Um, does it still have the self-leveling rear suspension on that? Or? So they had some sort of. Uh, it was kind of like, not really, not airbag, but they had some sort of. I, I to the to my knowledge, it's not on there. We've got Bilstein shocks, and it's okay. lowered about two inches. Okay. So, but yeah, I know they made some sort of adjustable air, you know, canister. To, I don't know, but <laughs> I don't have it. So yeah. what's the? So you say you like to drag race? Have you had this out to the track yet? Yeah. So. Um, when we have time, we usually get over to Rock Falls in Wisconsin. You know, being in the cities, that's kind of the unfortunate part is if you want to get to the track, you've got limited options. I mean, you've got Brainerd, which is, from where I live, two hours, two and a half hours. You've got Rock Falls, which is a little less than that. Or you can do an eighth mile in Litchfield or whatever. So right. we go over to Rock Falls quite a bit just because it's a little more convenient. But i, I got to get to Brainerd because that's a really nice track. Sure. So what do you put down on the, on the quarter mile with this? Um, the last run we had it uh, out... We have yet to put our converter in, so the converter is kind of the missing link because we put a slightly bigger turbo on there. What do you mean converter? Uh, torque converter. converter. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I couldn't build any boost out of the hole, and my 60-foots were terrible, uh, but I ran like a 1240 at almost 110. Jeez. And for an SUV, that's not bad, but that's with a small turbo on there. I mean, we've got we've got room to go because it's just a 20 well, G turbo. Well, stock they must have been like 14, 15 seconds somewhere, right? I mean, uh, they, yeah, they say like some of the guys claim that they were getting high 13s with a couple minor mods, but yeah, they were probably around 14, one somewhere around 96 mile an hour, you know, back then. So, what are some of the quirks with this with this truck besides so, pulling into cars and coffee and being put right. in the truck section? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's. You're definitely going to get people that kind of, the people who know what it is, you know, what the vehicle is, they're, you know, they're going to pull you aside and ask you questions, and that's kind of fun with it. Um, so going to car shows, the select few that really know what they are, you you get in t you get to talk to them for a bit, and that's always fun. But you have any yeah, stories with, like, any kind of pulling up to a light next to some guy that thinks his yeah. car is hot shit, <laughs> and you've got this little uh, blazer? Right, you know, right. What's All the, the time, yeah. So, um more more stories than I can count, but yeah, I've had some run-ins. Well, at the track was a good example. Um, there was a, a Challenger. It wasn't a Hellcat or anything like that, but he had the 392 badges on it. And at the track, you can kind of tell who they're going to line you up against. And um, this guy's car was pretty loud. I couldn't even hear my truck through my helmet, <laughs> but um, I cut a pretty good light on him, and I and I got a good 60 foot and. 
it felt like I was at the end of the quarter when he was at the eighth mile. That's what it <laughs> felt like. But he came flying up at the end of the track. I still beat him, but uh, I think he parked his car the rest of the day after that. He was oh, not, not a happy camper. His day. Right. He ruined his day. <laughs> no one wants to get beat by an SUV, that's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, it's kind of cool to see that thing. That thing here, which was basically the start of the of the hot SUV, nobody was doing yeah. anything like that. Do you have any insight about why GMC built these? So, uh, Production Automotive Services, Pass, they're the ones that kind of got involved with um, the Cyclone, the Typhoon. They made like a Sonoma GT. They made the Turbo Trans Am. Um, you know, I don't really know what they were thinking when they started it, but I'm glad they did. Um, these cars, you know, the resale value on them today is outrageous. Uh, there's guys online that are selling these trucks with low miles for thirty, forty thousand. Right. You know, and I'm and sure you were you're in way before that. Right. Well, the MSRP on these cars in '92 was thirty grand. You right. Know? So they really hold their value, but um, you know that's if they're in good condition, low mile. So. Well, we really appreciate you coming by, man. And uh, yeah, man, thanks for having me. About these. I really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Nice meeting you. Yeah, you too, buddy. All right, so we are back, and uh, I want to talk a little bit, a couple news articles, but before we do that, why don't you roll one of the guys that keep the lights on? Yes, the guys that keep the lights on, one of which being Luther Westside Volkswagen, our very favorite Volkswagen dealership. They have the largest selection, Chris, of used Volkswagens, new Volkswagens, and used European cars in the Twin Cities, and uh, they are a great group of guys. You know, I actually was talking to a coworker at my day job who also... Uh, bought her new Beetle at Luther Westside Volkswagen, and right she had on. nothing but good things to say about those guys. So I, everyone I've talked to has had a great experience there, and I really feel like you would too if you were in the market. Did you say nothing instead of nothing? When did I just did I just say nothing? <laughs> I don't know. I've got the wind buffeting in my ears. Maybe it was that. Well, our um, listeners will be able to hear so it better. I, uh, I found out that uh, there's a little bit of Tesla news. I try not to get into First of all, Chris, how do we find Luther Westside Volkswagen? Uh, Westside Volkswagen or WestsideVW.com. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, so there's a little bit of Tesla news to cover. Okay. Um, nothing too crazy, but uh, they, I, I know, to interrupt you, I know some Tesla news. Okay, go ahead. We're not by the Tesla booth. We are not by the Tesla booth, Instead, which is nice. Instead, wow. We've got, a, we've got a Fleetwood on hydraulics right in front of us just... Just flexing. Just flexing, right? Right in front Literally of the podcast. Literally flexing. Which is, in my opinion, pretty dope. That It, it is dope. Yeah, I yeah, think that is. is the correct word for that. So Tesla decided that they need more money. Right. Um, so they're, uh, when a customer is confirming their order now, they're paying another 2500 bucks before the company starts building their car. So this is for your Model 3. Right. So you've, you've been on the list to get your Model 3 for, what, two, three years now? Yeah. So basically, if you are in the U.S. and Canada and you confirm, you're like, yes, because they're basically, you put $1,000 down, right. but you're not obligated to buy the car. Right. right? You can instead. Think, can they, you get your money back? I would assume so, yeah. yeah. Um, so if you confirm, you can pay 2500 bucks, which if 100,000 people confirm their cars, that's $250 million. Well, not only that, it's that an they really fee, fucking need right now. It's an interest free loan for them as well. Right. Exactly. All these deposits. Um, and, uh, so they need the money, you're telling me. They need me. the money. And for some reason, I, I thought the Tesla Model 3 was supposed to be cheap. Yeah, like 30000 I thought 30, it was supposed to be like $30,000, 000? but it turns out it's actually like fifty to eighty grand. That's not cheap. Yeah, so I, that's, that's kind, of, kind of crazy. But why would I just don't understand, you know, the Mission E is when it comes out, it's supposed to be like seventy five, eighty grand. Why would you not just buy why that? Why would you not just buy the Porsche Mission E instead of well, the Tesla Model 3? Right, it's the Model 3, not even the Model S. And However, that's what the here's, Mission here's E the is going to go They at. did hit their uh, 5,000 car goal. They did finally? They hit their 5,000 car goal. However, yeah. they're building cars in tents. 
And okay. uh, they are also, uh, the Model S line is down 800 cars a month. Oh, so they're like cannibalizing they're their cannibalizing Model S production? The other stuff to oh, meet the, the Tesla, the Model 3 requirements. Okay. So, anyway, we did it, quote Musk said. We either found a way by will, inventiveness, and created entirely new solutions that were brought up, thought impossible. Intense with tents. Transporting <laughs> entire production lines across the world. Massive cargo planes. Whatever. It worked. Assembly intents. Okay. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes. So, yeah. Anyway. I like your comment here. Is that really going to be sustainable when it, you have tents? It, it is not. So <laughs> um, that's that's pretty much all I had for news. Um, why don't you wrap it up with uh, with our last sponsor here? Last sponsor, which is our favorite shop here, South Central Imports. Can I not play favorites? I wouldn't play favorites. Okay. <laughs> well, I only you're, say you're that. To be fair, I left his his notepad with all the ad stuff at the studio, so he doesn't have I'm it, just, so he's I'm winging it right totally now. Totally winging it. So um, South Central Imports, great shop for your, your Volkswagen Audi needs. They are Volkswagen Audi exclusive shops. So you know when you bring your car to them, they know exactly what they're doing. There is a BMW Isetta in front of us that I left our card in with a note Sounds saying, like a come scooter. talk to us. It is. I think, I forget how many CCs they are. Anyways, South Central Imports would not be able to take care of that BMW Isetta because they are Volkswagen Audi exclusive shop, which means that they know those cars inside out from headlight to tailpipe, we'll say. I like there that. We go. We're going to yeah. say that. So you can find those guys at 612-722-8897. There you go. Um, one more uh, one more news article that I saw that I want to get here. Um, and I want to, this is kind of sad, and I don't know what this leads to, but um, I titled it, Holy Shit, Motoring is Fucking Doomed. <laughs> Which is like <laughs> always the optimist. Always the optimist. Um, five years ago, U.S. vehicle sales between cars and trucks were pretty even, like okay. one car for every truck. Yeah. But now it is uh, two to one. Meaning cars, Ca- trucks are outselling cars two to one. Trucks and SUVs, and there's basically no sign that cars are going to rebound anytime soon. That's, I mean, that's to be fair, just in the U.S. though, right? Yeah. Well, it's in, by 2025, LMC Automotives, which is like some research firm or whatever, okay. says that 75 to 80% of U.S. light vehicle sales will be trucks and light trucks. It's because they're all crossovers are considered trucks, which are should just be considered cars. Are they actually considered I trucks? I assume that's what they're counting here. Nothing else would account for... Well, I mean, Lincoln is selling a zillion navigators. True. And, and four explorers are selling like crazy. I, I mean, honestly, else. it doesn't surprise me. The F-150 has always been like the mainstay here in the U.S., the best-selling vehicle. That guy's patriotic. He's waving a flag with his Mustang as he goes to uh, do a burnout in front of the crowd right now. I was going to say, so. he should be doing a burnout to do that. Yes. Well, guys, we'll, uh, we'll see you in a few days. It'll Absolutely. be Monday for you, so we'll see you in a few days with, uh, with a story from Jake. And uh, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Take care, guys. Take care.